What's good? Welcome back to the God's Vibes podcast. Y'all, we have a Relationships Redux Challenge. It is this week, Tuesday through Thursday. Because why? Well, living with humans is messy. Straight up messy. You know this. I don't have to tell you this. But messes in general are scary. They're painful. And they can be offensive. And whether you're dealing with the pain of a personal failure, the frustration of a disrespectful child, the devastation of a major betrayal, the stress of a workplace conflict, or the fallout of larger social injustices, we react the same way with fear, shame, and punishment. And these reactions, while they are understandable, They don't do anything to fix the problem. And in fact, they only perpetuate an environment of fear, unforgiveness, retribution, and disconnection. Things that you definitely do not want more of or need more of in your life. But there is a better way to respond to human messes, and it's the way of repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. And this way removes fear, shame, and punishment from people's lives, empowers them to deal with the root of their problems, and equips them to build a new lifestyle of walking in the light and protecting connection with God, themselves, and others. So if you want to build healthy relationships, you have to grow and mature in love. That is non-negotiable. And we thrive in relationships where it is safe to love and be loved, to know and to be known. Yet for many, relationships are anything but safe, loving, or intimate. Ask me how I know. They are defined by anxiety, manipulation, control, and conflict. And the reason that many of us have never been trained to be powerful enough is that many people have not taught this or trained this, and it just gets passed down. We are trained to be weak, wounded, and traumatized in relationships, not powerful. We're trained to turn off our love and punish other people, not rise up in love and love well. And we don't know how to be powerful in the face of mistakes, pain, and fear. We know how to build walls, to throw out ultimatums and do all the things, but we don't know how to be powerful. But it really is time to learn the power to draw healthy boundaries, communicate in love, and ultimately protect your connection so you can love against all odds. And man, will there be some. Get ready to learn to love well and develop deeper, more meaningful connections. Okay, there's no joy in doing everything for somebody else and calling it love. So what we're going to do in this three-day challenge is unlock the secrets to thriving in relationships. So essentially, to break this down and make it simple for you, here's what we're going to offer. You're going to learn guidelines for setting boundaries. You're going to learn how to identify unhealthy patterns and cycles. You're going to receive seven secrets to healthy and happy relationships. You'll get a decision-making guide and a confrontation model. I know some of you are like, but confrontation is healthy and it is necessary at times. And you're also going to learn to create and access a relationship toolkit. Okay? Relationships redux. This is not 
a, a small challenge. This is definitely an assignment. It is what we are called to. So we're going to give you all the goods inside the Relationship Redux 3-Day Challenge. You can access it and join us live inside the Courage Co. Masterclass Bundle, which you can find over at courageco.org, www.courageco.org. Click on the Courage Co. Masterclass Bundle. You can join us monthly, which also gives you access to every single challenge, masterclass, or guest interview that we've done with ongoing coaching and support in all of the notes for you to process. Or you can also pay a one-time fee and still get access to all of that. So it's really just however you feel most comfortable joining us, but get in there. Essentially, you're getting 12 months of personal growth and spiritual growth for only 50 cents or less a day. It's really a no-brainer. <laughs> get plugged in there, get the tools and support you need, and also get some coaching. When we're live, we hang some of y'all know we hang and we get to work and this ultimately can very much empower you and how you show up in relationships and it'll give you a lot of valuable insight. So join us inside the Courage Co. Masterclass Bundle, www.courageco.org. All right. Today, what I thought that we can share on, I do this thing Some of y'all know when I am interviewing folks, I remember when I was asked this question and it's just such a leveling question. It just makes things so clear in an instant because I think often we don't evaluate our lives and how short our time actually is here on earth and it's really important to contemplate life in that way. It's very sobering to do so. And it focuses you and how you show up while you're here. So I ask a question. I say, many, many years from now, (laughs) when you are leaving this earth and and going with God in eternity, and you can't take anything with you, you can't take the empire you're building, your homes, all the things that you've stored up here on earth, but you can leave one piece of advice that will change a life. What is that piece of advice? And I think that this is so, so important. And when I've answered this question, it is my mission, right? God's vibes matter. I know that we are living in a world where we can't just go off our thoughts and our reasoning. Cannot do it. You will get in trouble every time. We cannot live out of our feelings and out of our emotions, will definitely get in big trouble there. You can't live off all the quote-unquote social media experts that are not experts at all. They just make some good memes, right? And then all of a sudden you think that that's your truth and you don't even know that it is the truth, right? We can't live off what we are seeing and hearing around us all the time, what we are inundated with. We have to be able to sift through the noise. I like to say we've got to be a sniper in the spirit. We've got to know where's God? Is this God? How do I know? You've got to know, right? You've got to know, is this the spirit of God? Is this the wisdom of God? Is this the peace of God? Is this my mind? Is this my trauma? Is this my unhealthy pattern? Is this control? Is this manipulation? Is this the enemy's agenda? There is a lot to sift through. So when I say God's vibes matter, this is all about aligning and tracking with God and all we think, say, and do. It's 
literally putting God at the center of your life and orbiting around him, right? Many are satisfied with just having Jesus as their savior, but not having a Lord of their life. And we get in trouble because no other gods will do. So God's vibes matter. Why that's so important to me is we're not going to do well when we can't find God. You've probably lived that. You've probably experienced that. I know I definitely have. And there's going to be so much darkness that continues to get darker. That's just the way it goes, right? So how do you find God in that? It's imperative that you start growing and maturing spiritually, that you start growing up in God, so to speak, that you start really maturing in love and know what the love of God is. You've got to receive it for yourself. You've got to get healthy in God. And you've got to be able to walk worthy of the call that's on your life. This is no small assignment, right? But to fulfill what you're here to do, you've got to know God, right? It's in God that we get our identity. It's in God that we get our purpose. It's in God that we get our assignments. It's in God that we get to partner with him. It's in God that we get our breakthroughs, our transformations. We get access to the promises. We get to experience the kingdom of God every single day, right? We're on the earth, but we're not from the earth, right? We're sent here on assignment. So for you, I encourage you to think about this question for yourself. What ultimately matters? What is your life going to be about? You get to walk out this story that your creator has written for your life, but what is it ultimately going to be about? You get to decide. God absolutely does have good plans for you, but you can choose not to engage them. God absolutely has hidden treasure in you, his earthen vessel, but you can decide not to activate it. That is ultimately on us, and we have to forsake lesser things and choose this. God won't force it on us or demand that we do it, but we can decide and choose it every single day. All right, so what I thought I would do, because in thinking about this question and thinking about my mission, right, and how that's been expressed and how that's evolved, is I have a relationship with God, and I am so to this day in awe of that because I didn't know that I even could for a majority of my life, right? So what I thought I would do is talk about how you can start seeing life from God's view because ultimately that will change your life. And then I'm going to talk about how you can become best friends with God, right? Because a lot of times, speaking of relationships, we go to relationships to get something. And when we do that, we get in trouble. We're actually designed to go into relationships to give something and to partner and build something, to to partner and submit to a higher mission, right? Both partners in a relationship are meant to submit to a mission, right? So we can get this really messed up when we're going to a partner just for managing our emotions or, you know, for giving us the encouragement that we need, or for our happiness. We get in trouble when doing that, when really we are supposed to come with that, right? We're, we're to bring our happiness. We're to bring our emotional management, our mind renewal, right? We're to bring the best of ourselves. And yes, iron sharpens iron, and this is not perfection. So hear me on this. But we aren't to expect other people to make us happy. We're not to expect other people to manage our minds. We're not to expect other people to stabilize our emotions. Okay? And when we do, usually we get expectation hangovers. People let us down. 
But when you're friends with God, you will find that he does that. He helps you manage everything that's going on inside of your soul. You'll hear me talk about doing soul scans, right? (laughs) But he helps you evaluate what is going on in your mind, what is going on in your heart, what you are processing emotionally, okay? And he gives you wisdom in who to seek wise counsel from and how to get the skills and how to develop and, and divine connections and people that he would have support you on your journey, okay? So these are very important things to consider. And I thought in talking about God's vibes matter and how you really start seeing and relating with God, this would be a really helpful message for you today and inspire your own relationship with God and what's possible, right? Like this is not rules and religion. This is relationship and it's something that we can choose and really be uplifted in every single day. You know, I was thinking, I recently looked through my phone and it's the weirdest thing to do. I encourage you to do this, but I was essentially going through even like the past seven years of photos and just like scrolling through and looking at, because it is July, July is the seventh month. Seventh is completion. It means perfection. And so I thought, ooh, I want to see what like a seven-year cycle looks like in my phone photos. (laughs) Call me a weirdo. I don't care. It was a really good assignment, okay? So I'm going through all of my photos and I'm just looking at me, okay? I'm looking at the many different hair colors I had. (laughs) I'm looking at the different fashion choices I was making. I was looking at the different places I was going to, the different people that I was engaging and interacting with, the different accomplishments that I achieved, the different experiences that I had, the things that were important to me in every one of those years, the things that I was struggling with, you know, because sometimes when you look at a picture, you know what's going on behind that picture and nobody else knows, right? So I was looking through all of these photos. I'm like, oh my God, because what I sat and looked at was I evolved, right? Like I am not the same human that I was seven years ago, right? And when you can see things from God's perspective and when you can be a friend with God, he starts helping you grow up in him. He starts starts helping you mature in him, right? So I'm looking how, you know, I think differently, even now. I look at how I handle and face conflicts and hard things and difficult situations. I look at the fruit of the spirit that's been produced in my life. I look at how I have loved well, right? I've looked at how I've missed the mark. I've looked at what I have been able to do in partnering with God. Things that like I never would have imagined would have been possible. I looked at what I've overcome and things that I thought would have crushed me, ultimately destroyed me. I look at things that I was fighting silently and that I allowed God to use my brokenness to bless people, right? Like I I just am looking through all of this and I'm in awe of what God has been able to do in seven years. Like it's truly like blowed my mind. So all that to say, when we are seeing through God's perspective, there's a different level of healing that can happen. You might've heard me say, never look back in your past without God. Don't do it. Because when you start seeing from his perspective, it changes everything you see, right? And you can experience life 
from God's point of view where he loves you and he's not shaming you and he's not criticizing you. God doesn't correct that way. It's often gentle correction. Now, sometimes we have to deal with the consequences of behaviors that didn't serve us and that's not fun, but even God gives grace and mercy in that and it's wild. So at any rate, in this exercise, it also inspired the power of seeing life through God's view. Okay. In James 4.1, I believe, no, it's James 4.14. It says, what is your life? What is your life? And then there's a great quote that says, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. So in looking at those photos, like I was saying, I could see how I used to see things. I could see things through brokenness. I could see things through fear. I could see things through insecurity. I could see things through unworthiness. I could see things through insufficiency. I could see things through not enoughness. You know what I mean? So when you look at your own photos, like look in your eyes, look at your facial expressions, look at how you're taking care of your body, look at who you are interacting with, look at what you're accepting and tolerating, look at how you're rising, look at how you're showing up, look at how you're growing, look at what you're learning. Like it is so powerful, I promise you. And the way you see your life shapes your life, right? Like to this day, I live in so much peace and so much freedom that I had no idea I could access, right? I live and I get to say that I know God and I am a friend of God, right? And I'm a daughter and that's my most important role, right? Just being God's daughter, that's my most important role. But I I couldn't always say that and it's such a blessing to be able to do that, right? And I have a very clear sense of purpose. I am highly motivated. I have a ton of energy. I sleep soundly at night right? I am blessed with so many divine connections. God is trusting me with many things to steward that I look forward to every day. It's a completely different life. And that's what you get when you do life with God. And the way you see your life, keep this in mind, the way you see your life shapes your life. How you define life determines your destiny. I'll never be this. I am this. We got to be careful with that stuff. Your perspective will influence how you invest your time, spend your money, use your talents, and value your relationships. So what I would say to that is what are you focusing on and what are you prioritizing, right? We often prioritize lesser things and we even fall into lesser things when we don't focus. And when we don't prioritize the right things, it's easy to fall for anything else, truly, or fall under the influence of somebody else's priorities, okay? So people pleasers, codependents, you know, you can, when you are operating with people pleasing behavior or codependent behavior and patterns, you can constantly prioritize other people and their priorities over your own to the point where you don't have any. And at the extreme, That's where you become a doormat. That's where you become somebody without preferences, without expectations for your own life, without balance, right? One of the best ways to understand other people is to ask them, how do you see your life? Whew, what they tell you, I promise you, (laughs) will reveal so much. You will discover that there is many different answers to that question as there are people, 
I've been told life is a circus, it's a minefield, it's a roller coaster, it's a puzzle, it's a symphony, it's a journey, it's a dance, so many things, right? And people have said life is a carousel. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, and sometimes you just go round and round. <laughs> or life is a 10-speed bicycle with gears we never use. Interesting. Or life is a game of cards. You have to play the hand you're dealt. That's a common one, right? And if you're asked how you picture life, what image would come to your mind? That image is your life metaphor. It's the view of life that you hold consciously or unconsciously in your mind. It's your description of how life works and what you expect from it. If you don't expect anything, you're not gonna get much. People often express their life metaphors through clothes, through jewelry, through cars, through hairstyles, through bumper stickers, even tattoos. And your unspoken life metaphor influences your life more than you realize. It determines your expectations, your values, your relationships, your goals, and your priorities. So for instance, if you think life is a party, your primary value in life will be having fun. If you see life as a race, you will value speed and you will probably be in a hurry much of the time. If you view life as a marathon, you will value endurance. If you see life as a battle or a game, winning will be very important to you. So what is your view of life? You may be basing your life on a faulty life metaphor. You might have never even asked yourself this question. To fulfill the purposes of God and what he's planned for you, you will have to challenge conventional wisdom and replace it with biblical metaphors of life. The Bible says it this way, do not conform yourselves to the standards of the world, but let God transform you inwardly by a change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God. How do I know the will of God? I have to decide that God's standards are of higher priority than the world's standards. I have to discipline myself to consecrate myself and make sure that God stays first place in my life. And I have to let God and work with the Holy Spirit to help me read and study the word and apply it to my life so that I can transform inwardly by a complete change of my mind. A complete change of my mind. Not one that I go and I listen to a message at church and then immediately I'm going back to my worldly ways. Not that kind of message. That's not a change. There was zero change of heart there. And if you have zero change of heart, you've got zero transformation. The Bible offers three metaphors that teach us God's view of life. Life is a test. Life is a trust. And life is a temporary assignment. Okay? I have found that when I view life this way... It's easier to not take it so seriously and to really focus. So these ideas are the foundation of us living what I call a spirit-driven life or living on purpose. I used to be somebody that really wrestled with purpose. Who am I? Why am I here? How am I supposed to make a difference? How is this going to work, right? Really struggled with that for many, many years. And I got a download one time that was just this. You are alive, therefore you're on purpose. It's not true of everyone today. Two, 
Your purpose is to live like it. Live like you are here on purpose. Then the assignment becomes discovering how to do that more and more every single day. And letting God lead me into that every single day. That has to do with your mindset. That has to do with your attitude set. Has to do with how you communicate and express yourself. Has to do with what's going on in your heart. Has to do with so much. But you can see that is very, very important. So these ideas are the foundation for living life with God. All right. So life on earth is a test. This is how we see life from God's view, right? This life metaphor is seen in stories throughout the Bible. God continually tests people's character, their faith, obedience, love, integrity, and loyalty. Words like trials, temptations, refining, and testing are favorite, right? They occur more than 200 times in the Bible. Yikes, right? God tested Abraham by asking him to offer his son Isaac. God tested Jacob when he had to work extra years to earn Rachel as his wife. Adam and Eve failed their test in the Garden of Eden, and David failed his test from God on several occasions. But the Bible also gives us many examples of people who passed a great test, such as Joseph, Ruth, Esther, and Daniel. Character is both developed and revealed by tests. And all of life is a test. You are always being tested. We're going to have to get over the fact that life is hard and it keeps sending us problems. Why? Because we are always being tested and we are designed to be answers to problems. And we can't be answers if there's zero problems and challenges to face. Okay? God constantly watches our response to people, problems, success, conflict, illness, disappointment, and even the weather. (laughs) He even watches the simplest actions, such as when we open a door for somebody else, or when we pick up a piece of trash, or when we're polite towards a clerk or a witness or somebody in a checkout line. We don't know all the tests that God will give us, but we can predict some of them based on the Bible and what we've seen there. We're going to be tested by major changes delayed promises. (laughs) The delays, man, they can seem really, really long sometimes. Impossible problems. Like literally, like this is impossible with man. So it only is possible with God. Unanswered prayers. Watch your heart when you have unanswered prayers. Undeserved criticism. And even senseless tragedies. Senseless tragedies. In my own life, right, I've noticed that God tests my faith through problems. He tests my hope by how I handle different possessions. He also tests my love through people, right? Some of my biggest, 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 biggest tests, traumas, trials have been in relationships. And it's all been about, will you learn to love like I do? Will you learn to love like I do? Because if you don't, you'll never make it through this. Right? Think about that. What a lesson. Can you 
learn to love like God. Careful if you pray for that, because he will give you many opportunities to experience what that means. (laughs) Right? A very important test is how you act when you can't feel God's presence in your life. Been there. Sometimes God intentionally draws back and we don't sense his closeness anywhere. A king named Hezekiah experienced this test. The Bible says God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him and to see what was really in his heart. Whew, right? Hezekiah had enjoyed a close fellowship with God, but at a crucial point in his life, God left him alone to test his character, to reveal a weakness, and to prepare him for more responsibility. When you understand that life is a test, you realize that nothing is insignificant in your life. Even the smallest incident has significance for your character development. Every day is an important day, and every second is a growth opportunity to deepen your character, to demonstrate love, or to depend more on God. When we think we are surrendered, surrender more. Some tests seem overwhelming, while others we don't even notice. (laughs) But all of them have eternal implications, and we often lose sight of that. The good news, though, is that God wants you to pass the tests of life. So he never allows the tests you face to be greater than the grace he gives you to handle them. Know that when you are in a test. The Bible says God keeps his promise and he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with a way out. So every time you pass a test, God notices and makes plans to reward you in eternity. James says, blessed are those who endure when they are tested. When they pass the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So not only is life a test, life on earth is a trust. And I have found it so challenging (laughs) to learn how to trust, right? When people, when life had proven untrustworthy, when even self, right? Like when we have abandoned ourselves, betrayed ourselves, dismissed ourselves, minimized ourselves, we've lost trust and broke trust with ourselves. When we broke promises with ourselves, right? When we've sabotaged ourselves. So because people failed me because life kept failing me. I started failing me, right? Been there? So it is really important to learn that life is a trust, okay? Distrust is not a fun way to live. So our time on earth and our energy, our intelligence, our opportunities, our relationships, and our resources are all gifts from God that he has entrusted to our care and management. We are stewards of whatever God gives us. And this concept of stewardship begins with the recognition that God is the owner of everything and everyone on earth. God is. The Bible says it this way, the world and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. The earth and all who live on it are his. All of it is God's. 
We really never own anything during our brief stay on Earth. That's why it gets really unhealthy to believe, right, that all of this is something that you own. It's not so. God is loaning it to you in a way for you to steward, okay? God loans the Earth to us while we're here. It was God's property before you arrived, and God will loan it out to someone else after you die. You must get to this place where you understand this so you can enjoy it while you have it, but you don't attach to it in an unhealthy way. When God created Adam and Eve, he entrusted the care of his creation to them and appointed them as trustees of his property. The Bible says God blessed them and said, have many children so that your descendants will live all over the earth and bring it under their control. I am putting you in charge. The first job God gave humans was to manage and take care of God's stuff on earth. This role has never been rescinded. It's part of our purpose today. Everything we enjoy is to be treated as a trust that God has placed it in our hands. Your children, your relationships, your job, your business, your home, your vehicles, your ministry, your service. All of that, God is trusting you with. God is trusting you with it to steward it well by his power and for his glory. It ain't about you. And when it is, you're off the mission. Everything we enjoy is to be treated as a trust. The Bible says it this way. What do you have that God hasn't given you? Great question. (laughs) And if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? Hashtag self-made, right? Hashtag I made it, right? Hashtag my best life. Mm Mm-mm. No, 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 no. What do you have that God hasn't given you? The discipline, the self-control, the brain, the heart, the passion, the energy, the gifts, the talents, the ability, the connection, the resources. Come on, right? And if all you have is from God, why boast as though anything you've accomplished is on your own? Woof! Pride. Pride, right? We can fall into that very quickly. Our culture says if you don't own it, you won't take care of it. But our higher standard in God is that because God owns it, I must take the best care of it if I can. Different standard. The Bible says those who are trusted with something valuable must show they are worthy of that trust. Woo! Let me say that one again. Listen. Those who are trusted with something valuable must show they are worthy of that trust. What if you thought about that with your relationships? Just saying. Jesus often referred to life as a trust and told many stories to illustrate this responsibility toward God. In the story of the talents, a businessman entrusts his wealth to the care of his servants while he's away. When he returns, he evaluates each servant's responsibility and rewards them accordingly. The owner says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
At the end of your life on Earth, you will be evaluated and rewarded according to how well you handled what God entrusted to you. Think about that. That means everything you do, even simple daily chores, has eternal implications. I'm thinking right now, (laughs) I have some dear friends that are close to me, sending them all the love right now. And if you're listening, I love you. Um, But they will come into my house and they think it's a model home. It's hilarious, right? Because I live at that standard. Or folks will get in my car and they're like, did you just get a new car? I'm like, no, man, this thing is old, right? (laughs) But it still has a new car smell. It still looks super clean, right? I get it detailed. You know, I keep my house really clean too. Like it's just... It's a gift that God has given me to steward, so I really take care of it, right? And I make sure it's a place that I can enjoy and relax in, and the same for them, right? Like, me and my house shall serve the Lord. I want people to be able to come into my home and feel the presence and peace of God in here without me saying a word, and I want to live in that every single day, right? Life is hard enough as it is. I want to have a place that feels safe, right? That feels secure, that that ha- is full of beauty, right? And that really is at a God standard, right? Everything we encounter, we can bring it to God's standard, okay? Anything God entrusts us with, we keep it or bring it to his standard, okay? So think about that. If you treat everything as a trust, God promises three rewards in eternity. First, you will be given God's affirmation. He will say, good job, well done. Next, you will receive a promotion and be given greater responsibility in eternity. Says, I will put you in charge of many things. Then you will be honored with a celebration. Come and share your master's happiness. Most people fail to realize that money is both a test and a trust from God. Listen up. God uses finances to teach us to trust him. And for many people, money is the greatest test of all. God watches how we use money to test how trustworthy we are. The Bible says, if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? This is a correcting word, right? And a lot of times when we're called to things in life, there's going to be a calling piece and often that is unpaid, okay? That's why when people are pouring out and pouring into you and blessing your life, always sow, sow into their lives because often they're doing it for free, right? There's also gonna be a part of your mission that is paid, right? Like if God is entrusting you to run a business, right? A business will not run unless you get paid. So you're going to have to steward that business in godly standards and principles, right? In order to have the influence that God wants to have through that business. But not all of the work that we do is going to be paid, okay? And this is a very important truth. God says there is a direct relationship between how I use my money and the quality of my spiritual life. How I manage my money, my worldly wealth, determines how much God can trust me with spiritual blessings, which are true riches. So let me ask you, is the way you manage your money preventing God from doing more in your life? 
can you be trusted with spiritual riches? One of the things that we really dive deep into in the God's Vibes Mastermind is the inner world, okay? Because there is zero chance of succeeding in the outer world when your inner world is not functioning as God designed it to. So many of us, though, want to run out ahead and we want to follow the world standards and follow the next whatever and get ourselves in trouble and all tangled up in all sorts of mess that we got to really get out of and detangle. When God says, seek the kingdom first and all the other things will be added unto you, God cares more about your character than anything else. And what's most near and dear to him is his people. Okay, so really, really think about that. Can you be trusted with true riches, spiritual riches? Jesus said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. (laughs) And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. All right, we got to get it out of our head that it's just going to be easy. No, 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 no. It is not going to be easy. It's not. It's not going to be easy. Life is a test and a trust. And the more God gives you, the more responsible he expects you to be. So just think that out for a second and use some wisdom here. If you don't develop your character, if you don't renew your mind, if you don't God allow God to do a work in your heart and heal your heart, how can you do these things? How can you be given more? It will crush you. It will crush you. We have to do the inner work and not forsake our process and where God has us so that we can be given what we can handle. It's God that continues to increase our capacity, but we have to allow him to do that. Okay? So really, really think about that. Unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. This is a kingdom principle. It's a key that unlocks destiny. Get faithful in the small and the small is often behind closed doors and what people will never see or clap for but get faithful in the small do everything is unto the lord how you take care of every single thing that he's given you do it as unto him right one of the ways that i worship god and show thanks for what he's given me is i take care of what he's given me i put investments into it, right? I'm thankful for it. I maintain it. I upgrade it, (laughs) right? So really, really think about that, okay? Now this next piece, developing your friendship with God. It says in Proverbs 3.32 that he offers his friendship to the godly. He offers his friendship to the godly. James 4, 8 says, draw close to God and God will draw close to you. So the truth here, you are as close to God as you choose to be. Like any friendship, you must work at developing your friendship. You work at developing your friendship with God. It does not just happen. It's not just for special humans. It's available, but you choose it and it will not happen by accident. It takes desire, time, and energy. And if you want a deeper, more intimate connection with God, you must learn to honestly share your feelings with him, 
to trust him when he asks you to do something, to learn to care about what he cares about and desire his friendship more than anything else. Okay? So if a blessing is going to take away your relationship with God, you don't want the blessing. If a relationship is going to hinder your relationship with God, you don't want the relationship. Right? If that blessing is going to block your connection to God in some kind of way, it's not a blessing. Often that's a counterfeit. All right? And you've got to be able to distinguish the difference. We must choose to be honest with God. I've talked about this here A lot of times when you can be honest that you're angry with God, that you're frustrated with God, that your heart is hurting, that you maybe feel distant from him, if you can talk to God about that, he will heal that. But we don't and we're afraid to come boldly boldly to the throne and we miss these encounters. We miss these breakthroughs. We miss a lot of healing because we won't come. The first building block of a deeper friendship with God is complete honesty. Now, I will tell you, this is hard work (laughs) because if you have learned to be dishonest and even in a socially acceptable way, right, a perfectionist is often dishonest about their faults and their feelings. A people pleaser, right, can't often take criticism or admit wrongdoing, right? There's things that we do where we learn to be chameleons and we learn to be inauthentic and that prevents us from having a deeper relationship with other people. It prevents us from having a real relationship with ourselves, and it also affects our relationship with God. So the first building block of a deeper friendship with God is complete honesty about your faults and your feelings. And God does not expect you to be perfect, but he does insist on complete honesty. None of God's friends in the Bible were perfect. Not one of them. Go look. (laughs) If perfection was a requirement for friendship with God, we would never be able to be his friends. Never. But fortunately, because God isn't like people, (laughs) and because of God's grace, Jesus is still the friend of sinners. In the Bible, the friends of God were honest about their feelings, often complaining, we see that, second-guessing, accusing, and even arguing with their creator, (laughs) right? Who are you to wrestle with your creator? Interesting thought, but we do it all the time. However, it, it really didn't seem to bother Jesus at all, right? He didn't seem to be bothered by what they were processing or how they were showing up. He encouraged them to show up as they are. And God, for example, allowed Abraham to question and challenge him over the destruction of the city of Sodom, right? Abraham pestered God over what it would take to spare the city, negotiating with God and really getting him down from 50 righteous people to only 10. God also listened patiently to David's many accusations of unfairness, betrayal, and abandonment. God did not slay Jeremiah when he claimed that God had tricked him. (laughs) Job was allowed to vent his bitterness during his ordeal, and in the end, God defended Job for being honest, and he he rebuked Job's friends for being inauthentic. Huh. Interesting. God told them, you haven't been honest either with me or about me. 
not the way my friend Job has. My friend Job will now pray for you and I will accept his prayer. That's where we get pray for your friends, right? In one startling example of frank friendship, God honestly expressed his total disgust with Israel's disobedience. He told Moses he would keep his promise to give the Israelites the promised land, but he wasn't going one step farther with them in the desert. God was fed up and he let Moses know exactly how he felt. Moses, speaking as a friend of God, responded with equal candor. Look, you tell me to lead this people, but you don't let me know whom you're going to send with me. If I'm so special to you, let me in on your plans. Don't forget, this is your people, your responsibility. If your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. (laughs) How else will I know that you're with me in this, with me and your people? Are you traveling with us or not? God said to Moses, all right, just as you say, this also I will do. For I know you well, and you are special to me. Isn't that just God? So good. (laughs) So can God handle that kind of frank, intense honesty from you? The answer is yes. Absolutely he can. Genuine friendship is built on disclosure. What may appear as audacity, God views as authenticity because he already knows what's going on inside of you. You might as well be honest about it. God listens to the passionate words of his friends. He is bored with predictable, pious, and cliches. To be God's friend, you must be honest to God, sharing your true feeling, not what you think you ought to feel or say, right? Just tell me what you actually think and feel. (laughs) It's likely that you need to confess some hidden anger and resentment at God for certain areas of your life where you have felt cheated or disappointed. And until we mature enough to understand that God uses everything for good in our lives, we harbor resentments toward God over our appearance, background, unanswered prayers, past hurts, and other things we would change if we were God. People often blame God for hurts caused by others. This creates a hidden rift with God. Bitterness is the greatest barrier to friendship with God. Why would I want to be God's friend if he allowed this? The antidote, of course, is to realize that God always acts in your best interest, even when it's painful and you don't understand it. So by releasing your resentment and revealing your feeling, that is the first step to healing. You can't be in denial about it. You can't be running from it, right? And just getting busy. You've got to be still and get honest and be transparent. As so many people in the Bible did, tell God exactly how you feel. This, strangely enough, will also strengthen your relationships in real life as well. To instruct us in candid honesty, God gave us the book of Psalms, and it's a worship manual. It's full of ranting, (laughs) raving, doubts, fears, resentments, and deep passions combined with thanksgiving, praise, and statements of faith. It is the entire human experience, right? And the realm of emotions. Every possible emotion is cataloged in Psalms. It's permission to be human 
not perfect. When you read the emotional confessions of David and others, realize this is how God wants you to worship him, holding back nothing of what you feel. God wants you to worship him this way. You can pray like David too. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles, for I am overwhelmed. We're never to hide how we feel, right? Cliches like fake it till you make it get us in big trouble. Get honest about it with God so that he can give you the strength and the strategy that you need. And it's encouraging to know that all of God's closest friends, Moses, David, Abraham, Job, and others had bouts with doubt. But instead of masking their misgivings with these pious cliches, right, they candidly voiced them openly and publicly. (laughs) We get opportunities to do this privately, but some people did it publicly, right? Expressing doubt is sometimes the first step towards the next level of intimacy with God. God, I have no clue how this is possible. God, this feels awful. God, I am so disappointed. God, this is breaking my heart. Right? Get honest about how you actually feel. Identify and own that. Then we must choose to obey God in faith. This is how we become a friend, right? We get honest with him and we choose to obey him in faith. Every time you trust God's wisdom and do whatever he says, even when you don't understand it, which will be a majority of the time, you deepen your friendship with God. And we don't normally think of obedience as a characteristic of friendship, right? That's reserved maybe for relationships with a parent or a boss or a superior in some sort of way. Not a friend. However, Jesus made it clear that obedience is a condition of intimacy with God. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command, right? We have to choose to do it because that is what allows us to be a friend of God, okay? So friends could refer to the friends of the king in a royal court. While these close companions in the Bible, right, with Jesus had special privileges, they were still subject to the king and had to obey his commands, We are friends with God, but we are not his equals. He is our loving leader and we follow him. We obey God not out of duty or fear or compulsion, but because we love him and trust that he knows what's best for us. This is not rules and religion. We want to follow God out of gratitude for all he has done for us. And the closer we follow him, the deeper our friendship becomes. Again, this is not by accident. Unbelievers often think that followers of Christ obey out of obligation or guilt or fear of punishment. But the opposite is true. Because we have been forgiven and set free, we obey out of that freedom, out of love, and our obedience brings great joy, right? Whenever you disobey a prompting, (laughs) there's a consequence. But whenever you obey, right, a prompting, there's a reward. Jesus said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey me, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. 
Where does joy come from? Remaining in God's love. Instead of drifting, instead of getting distracted, instead of choosing lesser things, remain in God's love. Prioritize it. Seek it. Run after it. Notice too that Jesus expects us to do only what he did with the Father. We have a role model. We have an example. When in doubt, read about it. (laughs) His relationship with his Father is the model for our friendship with him. Jesus did whatever the Father asked him to do out of love though. The motive of his heart was a motive of love. And true friendship, right? If you experience this in your life, it's not passive, it acts. When Jesus asks us to love others, help the needy, share our resources, keep our lives clean, offer forgiveness, and bring others to him, love motivates us to obey immediately. Don't delay, obey. We are often challenged to do quote-unquote great things for God. And actually, God is more pleased when we do the small things for him out of loving obedience. This is also how we find contentment as well. They may be unnoticed by others, all of these small things, but God notices them and considers them acts of worship. Great opportunities may come once in a lifetime, but small opportunities surround us every single day. Even through such simple acts as telling the truth, being kind, and encouraging other people, we bring a smile to God's face. It's like, that's my kid. God treasures simple acts of obedience more than our prayers, praise, or offerings. More than all of these organized rules, right? The Bible tells us what pleases the Lord more, burnt offerings and sacrifices, or obedience to his voice. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. That is where that came from. Jesus began his public ministry at age 30 by being baptized by John. At that event, God spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son, and I am fully pleased with him. What had Jesus been doing for 30 years that gave God so much pleasure? Have you ever wondered that? The Bible says nothing about those years except for one single phrase in Luke 2, 51. He went back to Nazareth with them and lived obediently with them. (laughs) That's all we know about 30 years, right? 30 years of pleasing God were summed up in two words, lived obediently. So we've got to, if we want to have a friendship with God, we've got to get honest with him. We've got to obey him. We have to choose deliberately. (laughs) to value what God values. God, what do you love? God, what do you hate? God, what do you value? This is what friends do. They care about what's important to the other person. The more you become God's friend, the more you will care about the things he cares about, grieve over the things that he grieves over, and rejoice over the things that bring pleasure to him. Paul's the best example of this. This is why I love him as my Bible mentor. (laughs) God's agenda was his agenda and God's passion was his. It says, the thing that has me so upset is that I care about you so much. This is the passion of God burning inside me. David felt the same way. Passion for your house burns within me. So those who insult you are also insulting me. What does God care about most? The redemption of his people. He wants all of his lost children found. 
That's the whole reason Jesus came to earth. The dearest thing to the heart of God is the death of his son. The second thing is when his children share that news with others. To be a friend of God, you must care about all the people around you who God cares about. Friends of God tell their friends about God, right? So I'm even thinking about, (laughs) I think it was an interview with Rachel on here recently. You got to go back and listen to it. But she was like, oh my God, who is this weird girl that's talking about God at a networking event? It's the weirdest thing, right? But it led her to a deep friendship with God. Amazing, (laughs) right? So you, you have to be okay being a peculiar person, right? And we must desire this friendship with God more than anything else. That's ultimately how it starts. And the Psalms are filled with examples of this desire. David passionately desired to know God above all else. He used words like longing, yearning, thirsting, hungering. He craved God. He said, the thing I seek most of all is the privilege of meditating in his temple, living in his presence every day of my life, delighting in his incomparable perfections and glory. In another psalm, he said, your love means more than life to me. Jacob's passion for God's blessing on his life was so intense that he wrestled in the dirt all night with God saying, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The amazing part of that story is that God, who is all powerful, let Jacob win. What? Right? God isn't offended when we wrestle with him. And we will, right? Because wrestling requires personal contact and it brings us closer to him. It's also a passionate activity, and God loves it when we are passionate with him, right? We're not lukewarm. Paul was another man passionate for friendship with God. Nothing mattered more. It was the first priority, total focus, and ultimate goal of his life. This is the reason God used Paul in such a great way. The Amplified Translation expresses the full force of Paul's passion, My determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Gives me goosebumps just reading that. The truth is you are as close to God as you want to be. Intimate friendship with God is a choice, not an accident. You must intentionally seek it. Do you really want it more than anything? You've got to come face to face with that question. I didn't access it until I wanted it more than anything. Same is true for you. What is it worth to you? Is it worth giving up other things? That's often what scares us most. (laughs) Is it worth the effort of developing the habits and skills required? You'll have to find out. You may have been passionate about God in the past, but you've lost that desire. That's another thing that can happen, especially when he pulls back, right? Or he doesn't seem as close to us. And that was the problem with believers in Ephesus. They had left their first love. They did all the right things, but out of duty, not love. And if you have just been going through the motions spiritually, don't be surprised when God allows pain in your life. Pain is the fuel of passion. 
It energizes us with an intensity to change that we don't normally possess. We don't normally, we get too comfortable, right? So when pain happens, it makes us suddenly inspired to change. C.S. Lewis has said that pain is God's megaphone. (laughs) So true, right? It's God's way of arousing us from a spiritual lethargy, right? Or a spiritual slumber. And our problems are not punishment. They are wake-up calls from a loving God. God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. And he will do whatever it takes to bring you back into fellowship with him. But there is an easier way to reignite your passion for God. Start asking God to give it to you, right? Like wild concept. We can do that. And keep on asking until you have it. This is similar to wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. (laughs) You can ask, right? Solomon showed us that that is one of the best things we can do. Dear Jesus, pray this throughout your day. Dear Jesus, more than anything else, I want to get to know you intimately. I want to want what you want for me, right? God told the captives in Babylon, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you will not be disappointed. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, more important than developing a friendship with God. It's a relationship that will last forever. Paul told Timothy, some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. God's vibes matter. Have you been missing out on the most important thing in your life? You can do something about that right now, but you've got to remember that's your choice. Nobody else can make that one for you. You are as close to God as you choose to be, right? And when we remember that when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. That is a promise, but will you? So consider what practical choices can you make or will you make in order to grow closer to God? A lot of times that's why folks have joined us in Courage Co., right? This is all about activating faith walkers into living their most courageous and impactful story. And we can only do that with God, right? It's inviting them into a God adventure, into a God journey. And you can join us, whether that is in these monthly masterclasses, challenges, guest interviews, and ongoing training and support, whether it's in our weekly small groups. We have weekly small groups. We have Good For Your Soul Sisters every single Tuesday. We got Biblical Breakthrough on Wednesday and Friday Fire. You can get plugged into one or all of those. You can join us on prayer calls that are full of prophetic encouragement every other Wednesday morning. You can also apply for the next round of the God's Vibes Mastermind and stay plugged into this community because there's definitely more to come. But this is a great space to start growing in God, to start developing your relationship with God. So I encourage you to get plugged in in some sort of way. Don't go this journey on your own. You can plug in over at Courage Co. www.courageco.org. Do you want to see things through God's perspective? Do you want to be a friend of God? What will you do about it? All right, guys, I hope this message blessed you. And until next time, stay blessed. Listen, if you are not plugged into Courage Co. yet, what 
are you doing? Courage Co. is a faith-based community off social media that you can access from your phone or your desktop, literally from anywhere. It is a safe place and a sacred space for you to invest in and live your most courageous and impactful story. You can join us for free for prayer calls and challenges, for a monthly subscription where we have monthly masterclasses, or the God's Vibes Mastermind, where you will get live master life coaching at a price that you won't get anywhere else. 12 weeks of content that we will go through together, or you can navigate at your own pace. You'll have lifetime access to that. A community of women doing this alongside of you, a workbook, and so many other materials to help you on your journey. And I just want you to imagine for a second, having the courage, clarity, and focus to achieve anything you desire. Walking into any situation, fully confident, knowing you have everything you need to succeed. Embracing challenges and overcoming obstacles with grace and ease. Feeling only love and compassion for others, no matter how they may have hurt you in the past. Standing up for what you believe in and taking unstoppable action to create the kind of world you want to live in. You're in the right place to take your next step on your journey. When you plug into the God's Vibes Mastermind, I'll teach you how to identify and eliminate the self-limiting beliefs and habits that are stopping you from getting the results you want. I'll teach you how to heal old wounds that have negatively impacted your self-image and self-esteem for far too long. I'll show you how to dismantle the story of who you are and what you can or cannot do in the world. I'll help you expand your consciousness from fear-based limitation to love and compassion and service to the world. I'll help you vanquish the inner enemies that are stopping you from being all that you can be. Release your victimhood and reclaim your power. Develop a aligned mindset and habits to boost your productivity and results. Gain deeper awareness of your own inner light and divinity and achieve the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self-mastery needed to achieve any goal. You will learn how to think the way God formed, shaped, and anointed you to think and succeed the way he always intended and show up in any situation as the most powerful person in the room, no matter what challenges might appear on your path. If this sounds like something that you want to be a part of, I want to invite you to join the God's Vibes Mastermind. You can get plugged into it over at Courage Co. You can access Courage Co. at any level at www.courageco.org. Together, we will awaken your inner warrior spirit and unleash your capacity to achieve any goal you can imagine. You will become an example of what's possible with God.